Hello, welcome to the first McLaren uh, fans podcast of 2023. Um, this one's a bit of an impromptu one, um, one that probably this time last year we probably never thought we'd be doing, because um, we're going to talk about Formula E. Um, and if you don't know what Formula E is, Sarah's going to explain quite a bit about it. Um, and I'm going to just, uh, well, kind of uh, listen to some of those points and also give sort of my perspective. So I remember years ago, is it nine years ago this started? Well, this is this is ago? Series 9 that's that's just started, yeah. yeah so, yeah. So um, I remember watching the first race and being really unimpressed. And... <laughs> This just isn't for me. And uh, a couple of years ago, I tried to get back into it again. And the same things kind of stood. Um, and I kind of made a comment at the time, which was, well, if McCarran put a team in there, I might be tempted to follow it. So I guess the question we've got to ask is, has that changed? Has McLaren putting a team in there made it of more interest? Um, and I'm going to, argue the case that not just McLaren going in there has added a bit more to it but one or two other things has as well and as we go along I'll kind of almost reveal what they are but on the remember other side... this is on a video and you don't reveal too much <laughs> yeah. um, on the other hand I'm also going to sort of uh, kind of say why I sort of it doesn't kind of you know, like my fire, like it does for other people. So, um, okay, okay, okay. There we go. So, Sarah, I think the best place to probably start with is so, why have McLaren entered Formula E? Well, as you know, McLaren were racing in F1, they were racing in IndyCar, they've been involved in esports. Last year, they were doing Extreme E. So, being in Formula E makes the big five. And what's really happened here is the Mercedes Formula E team, after two seasons as champions, both drivers and uh, and constructors champions, decided they didn't want to be in there anymore, that that didn't fit with them, and they were going to sell the team. So right for the picking was a world championship team. And uh, that's when Zach obviously made his move and thought this was the perfect time for, for McLaren, for the papaya people to get into to Formula E. So, so yeah, I mean, there's been lots of women and R in about it over the year, over the years, sorry, year. And um, I think as well, another combination would be the fact that we're starting with the Gen 3, the third generation of cars now. So I remember, Andy, some of the things you didn't like about Formula E at the start. So I put it to you, members of the jury, that Andy didn't like Formula E at the beginning because of this. Get ready, it's coming. I can't hear anything. Can you not? Through my no. microphone? Well, no. I could hear. And I remember you saying to me, I've turned my phone off now. I remember you saying to me, I don't like that blooming screeching noise. I don't like that noise they make. They don't go vroom like a car. And I remember that was one of your big points of why you didn't like Formula E. Correct it was. Me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, they still do that. They do. So, but, but. But they're faster. They are. This year, they're smaller, 
lighter and faster than Gen 2. They go up to 322 kilometers per hour and they've got 350 kilowatts of power. So they are becoming more like a jet engine and less like a car to a certain extent. Yeah, I think the other thing you that maybe has changed in that time is nine years ago, you, you didn't really have electric cars on the road. You didn't really have the progression that would come from such a sport into an everyday road car that was on the road that you would see and could go out and buy. Mm-hmm. Now, I think what we're starting to see is the accumulation of that. Yeah. What I don't get is why they don't actually promote it around that. But um, The tech has certainly improved. The battery life, the storage, there's none of this, you know, from well, round one with the jumping in and out of the cars for the well, pit that stops. Was the, that was another thing. So there was a load of, from, from the first rounds, there was a load of things. That was another one of them where, the you know, the drive out to get out, have a cup of tea, yeah. have a piece belt. of cake, all that kind of <laughs> stuff, you know, have a picnic in the pits before getting in another identical car, but with its battery <laughs> charged up and then going out again. <laughs> You didn't um, like that. I thought you liked no. cake. What's wrong with cake? I do like cake. You know that I like pit stops, but you know also know that I like fast pit stops. This so is true. This there was that. True. There was also the annoying DJ that played over the races. The Formula EJ, you mean? Did you not yeah. like that? Because they're down oh. with the kids. Oh, show me the racing. Let me. I was going to say, let me hear the engines, but well. <laughs> So I believe from the start, Formula E positioned itself as fan accessible, fan friendly. And I will argue for that. Here are some arguments for that. Number one, the tickets are cheaper. I mean, you can go to a Formula E race for a whole weekend. They're a lot cheaper. Even looking at the prime seats for London for the double header in July this year, they are so much cheaper, which means normal people for want of a better phrase what is normal can afford to go to see a race the racing is close they hit each other a lot I quite like that I like seeing bits of car flying off you know that's that's kind of you know exciting for me there's a lot of accessibility with fan signing sessions and generally all the fans get near the drivers not like at Formula One where it's in the paddock and people can't and lastly the podium is held in the fan village so the drivers run through the crowds of fans which everyone can go to so i would argue that that side of things you see is is a way in the other direction what what do you think about that um i I was interested to see the podium because that was quite in you know quite a a different step to what i've seen before um it's probably the third or fourth time that i've actually watched like a race day yep um and one of the things that I would say on that is that whilst um, people like yourself that are in the know, know when these things are on TV and what channels and things like that. <laughs> I can't it, believe you've said that on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it ultimately, for for what I would call, let's say, you know, I'm obviously I'm a Karen fan, but put me in the Formula E casual observer sort of bracket where are you going to find the fans that are not motorsport fans already that know about it, that will casually find it on a terrestrial channel or something like that? Even a highlights programme on a Sunday afternoon when the Grand Prix would normally be on or something like that. Show it then. Um, having it on a stream is great, but, you know, it's it's not always accessible to everybody. And... um 
you know, I, I I think probably it's one of those things where you said you you've actually been to a race weekend and experienced it. It's probably very different to actually watching it on the TV. Um, yeah, yeah. But I still feel it's a little bit sanitized. It's a little bit kind of not quite there yet. However. Okay, okay. So so we talked about it not being easily accessible on television. Well, as I showed you, Andy, and, and people of the Twitter RT, you can find this. It was all on Twitter that Channel 4 Sport were showing it on their on their um YouTube on channel. One of their millionth YouTube channels that they've and, got. And uh, Channel 4 Sport did tweet out a schedule of times for Friday practice, Saturday practice, Saturday qualifying, and the duels. And the race yeah. on Saturday evening, which Andy missed, which Andy missed. But they didn't you, type you're it in making the massive assumption that I'm following <laughs> that account. Also, it was on Eurosport, the race, not the not the other bits, but but it was on British Eurosport. So, look, I agree. Ideally, for Formula E and W Series and every other kind of uh, supporter series, as I call them, to be in the mainstream, accepted and to get a bigger audience, they need to be on a proper channel. They need yeah. to have a regular slot like Formula One does. And people need to know that it's there. I agree with you on that. Yes, I did go looking at Channel 4 Sport to find those times. And now every weekend there's a Formula E race. And I will retweet that, Andy, so that you can see it. <laughs> no, no, I know I know what you mean. And I think it's a shame. Channel 4 have bought into this. And now they're not showing it on the channel. You know? Yeah. But... So, it, it is what it is. It is what it shall, is. Shall I yeah. give you my two plus points from the weekend? Things well, that I really enjoyed, or, or should we still? Have you got? A I think point? I think I know what you're going to say. Can, so can I guess one of them and then and then wrap that around some explanation? Okay, then go for it. I think you're going to say you really liked qualifying. You found it exciting, and I've got noted down to mention that as one of my plus points because. I love the fact that qualifying is done in group stages. So you've got the two groups, 11 drivers in each. The four fastest from each group progress to the knockout, the duels, as they call them. So there's a quarterfinals, a semifinal and a final. I bloody loved that. I thought it was brilliant. And I was rooting for Jake Hughes all the way through it, shouting at my telly. So Was that, was that one of yours? It was. I'll tell you why. It wasn't just because McLaren did quite well in that one. But what a great format. Yeah. Now, imagine if we did that in F1. Oh, it'd be brilliant. So, uh, what it what it adds is a bit more jeopardy to the to the qualifying. So, yeah, yeah. all right, you're going to get the fastest. Um, was it eight cars in that thing? Yep. But then all that needs to happen is in that one lap shootout, a driver like Lewis or Max can make a mistake, and then all of yep. a sudden you've yep. got a you've got a Lando, you've got a uh, an Oscar. Um, you know, an Alex Alban. You've got a mixed up grid, the potential Absolutely. for a mixed up start grid. Yes. And that's what's cool about it. So, yeah. So what I was thinking is just to bring it to F1. Yeah. For a little bit. Why aren't they doing that at sprint race weekends? Well, I wondered if that's to do with the setup time, the amount of time it takes to get the car going, blah, 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 you know, all of that kind of thing. It just it just strikes me that when you watch a car being prepared on the grid, there's so much faffing around and all that kind of thing going on. You watch them in quali as well. Can they turn a car around that quickly? Well, remember a know. few years ago when Bernie had that idea of like the knockout 
and it didn't quite work in Australia. He had the idea of putting sprinklers on as well, yeah. Yeah, but the reason that knockout didn't work was because they, they had such a short amount of time to then go out and beat that lap ahead yeah, that yeah. they wouldn't have gotten a lap out and a lap yeah. done and then a lap in to beat that time. Yeah. Whereas this is, you, you've had that sort of 10-minute session then yep. you've got the knockouts. You know what you're going to go through there. You can set up your garage accordingly to that. Um, and and they're, re- they're released quite well in this staggered. So one's slightly yeah. ahead of the other, but but enough staggered to not ever cross paths, as it were. Yeah. I think it's really good watching it on screen. You know, they have the graphic that shows who's ahead, who's not at this certain point. Yeah. You know, that's that's quite cool. There are <laughs> some odd graphics in Formula E when I watch it. Like when there's yeah. a green flag or whatever, a green light, it's like half the screen. But the, the one for the jewels, I thought really added to it. Really good. Yeah. So I, I really enjoyed that. And I thought that would be something that is worth trying in Formula One. Um, but also something that I found that I would watch again Yep. with Formula E. I, I felt there's a bit of jeopardy there. That's quite interesting. Can I um, ask you, did you enjoy that more than the race itself? Yes, absolutely. Right, okay. That's interesting. I, I thought it was the highlight of the weekend. Okay, cool. Edge um, of the seat stuff, hey? Sorry? Edge of the seat stuff for you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? Okay. I, that's, I was, that's good I was like, this is good. This is interesting. Even even when it wasn't just the McLaren driver, it was like it was. It felt like a penalty shootout. Yeah, yeah. So, so I'm going to guess what your second thing is. So let on, me then. try this one. Right. I think you're going to say that you liked attack mode. The idea that they've got this power boost, like in Donkey Kong, that they can hit and use up their four minutes at whatever point. Would, would that be correct? No, I think that's shite. <gasps> Okay. I think it's an absolute <laughs> gimmick, and it's just a waste of time. Bin it straight away for me. See, there's been a lot of a lot of times in the past where you voted for what drivers got got it and didn't, and to drive over it now, the section of the track where it is takes you offline. Yeah. So there's the theory that to take your attack mode, people could get past you. You put yourself in a weakness. So you, you lose know. two places to then try and get them back. What's the point? Exactly. But that's not the case at every track. So I think you have to assess every track to see what attack mode is like. Yeah. Um, in it London, feels, it was really over a long way, you know. It feels so. a bit Mario Kart for me. I yeah, but, but you see, that would be my description of Formula E action on a race day. It feels a bit Mario Kart to me too. And that's why I like it. They're close. They're touching each other. They make mistakes. Uh, someone's throwing a banana skin out at some point. You know, it feels like that to me. <laughs> it would be better if you didn't have to go offline to engage it. But then there's, be- no, there's no advantage or dis- there's no jeopardy, as you as you use the word. No, but it becomes a tactical use of the power. I suppose, and it's no different to like DRS or whatever, is it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I quite yeah. I quite like it being there because I like the idea that, uh, that it, it, you can possibly weigh it up or not you could almost not use it and be better off you know we'll see yeah okay i'll give up then what was your what was your other thing that you liked um the oh i like nikki shields on the grid um, (laughs) she's all right yeah you know she's very competent at her job does very well do you know what they're all vernon kilo vernon's really knowledgeable for what he you know when he first started doing it, I always thought it was a shock, but I think they had a good team. It was nice to see Corinne Chandok there. 
I thought um, they they put to re- together a, you know Oliver Askew this weekend was there as well. Is it Askew yeah. or Askew? I don't know. Askew. Yeah. Um, but no, I thought I thought it was really good, and I love the way they jump backwards and forwards interviewing people. But okay, so not that either. Okay, you're going to have to tell me, Andy. I don't know what it is. Um, I like the look of the cars. Oh, the what, with cars, the pointy, with the pointy bit. Yeah, I think the Gen Three cars look a lot more sleeker, a lot more racier. Um, obviously, the papaya car was the best looking one. Obviously. Of course, it was because it was papaya after all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think they look more like a like a futuristic race car type thing, like something that you would expect. They definitely um, look futuristic. I would agree yeah. with you. So I, I quite like them. So um, yeah, I think that was um, yeah one of the one of the sort of highlights. Um, the other thing, kind mm-hmm. of. Which may only kind of work for this weekend and a few other weekends in the calendar is yeah. they actually raced on a real race track. Now, but different, different actual layout, yeah. But yeah, but you know, you could you, you got the you got the uh, sort of parabolic last corner, you got the straight, you got a few corners that you knew and stuff like yeah. that, yeah. which is quite yeah. good. And the stadium section, so good for fans and atmosphere, yeah. you know. And yeah. that looked that looked great, and it looked brilliant, whereas going round some warehouses in a Berlin <laughs> airport. But you know why? You know the whole aim of Formula E's ethos is to be a city-based street circuit series. It, so it that only it, works because of Mexico City, you know, that's, that's well, why it's okay. <laughs> Right. Well, take us to Singapore. Take us to to some other places where they've got good city tracks that would work with it. Yeah. What I what I'm what's probably different now with the Gen Three cars with the more power and they've got a bit lot more battery is that when they tried racing at normal tracks before, it was like when you've just powered up your PlayStation. <laughs> and you put in your, I don't know what it is, um, Grand, not Grand Theft Auto, G- GT, um, Grand Turismo, whatever it is, or yeah, yeah. cars or uh, a set or Corsa, you've put that in and you go through those tutorial bits and they say, right, you've learned to drive, you steer left and right now, now we're going to take you around a track and it's a little track, you go around it and you do 20 odd laps of it to earn this badge and then you kind of move on it feels like one of those kind of tracks. certainly felt like that way i'm hoping that they get to some better tracks and i think one of the things that jumps out when you've got a mexico as the starting one and then if you compare it against maybe some of the others and i'm sure i'll be corrected here is that the the because it's a normal racetrack, there's plenty of places for the fans to watch from. Yeah, plenty of people in the crowd look like a great atmosphere. Yeah. Now I watched a bit of the London E Prix last year, and they are going through. Um, is it the Excel Centre in London? Yeah, it's Around the Excel Centre where where you and I once met Jensen Button together at a motor show. You know. Yes, um, and that's that's a story for another podcast. <laughs> Um, yes, but but they try to put the so a lot of the seating is inside the XL. Um, there's a lot of it along the start finish straight. There is some outside, 
but I guess they're limited on where they can put that. But yeah. I think I think that London one has got more seating than a lot of the other tracks. But that's the so thing. When I, that yeah. With a street circuit, you're always going to be limited with seating and stuff like that. And I think yeah. that's where some of the atmosphere of the racetrack comes from because you watch you, you watch some of them on TV. Now, I, I'm not going to say this is just a Formula E thing because yep. I I feel the same way with some IndyCar tracks. <laughs> right, okay. And, and basically where there are some fans at the start finish and then for the rest of the lap, there are no, nowhere else for people to watch because it goes here, there and everywhere and you kind of like... Well, unless you're watching it on a telly, you're not, you know, as a fan of motorsport in general, I don't always, I I know some people really like to be on the start, finish straight. It's not my favourite place to be at a track. I like to go to some slow corners and things like that, or overtaking spots and things like that. See, those sort of things, um, which you're not always going to get on that straight. So I'd like to see more places for fans, more of that kind of, you know, start to see, especially if you're going to do one in sort of like the airport in Berlin, there's a lot of places you could put. But then is the question then is, is not many people want to go to that one. If Some not, little, yeah, yeah. If, if, if not, why aren't they selling us package tickets to go to Berlin? It's at an airport, and yeah. us bloody there, right? And then we can just go and watch it. So some of the limitations that I used to hear people talk about in the first season were more around the fact that they pack up and, you know, the garages are marquees. They pack up their their stuff in their kit bag and go off to the next one. If you think about a true street circuit, every grandstand would need to be built from scratch every time. So I guess there's limitations on cost, time, et cetera, et cetera. Maybe for a double header like London, you can invest more in it because you know you're going to have two race days. You know, you have that practice quality race all in the one day. So there's got to be that element. I know when I went to Paris, which I think was either season two or season three, people paid for a general admission ticket that was like 20 euros and they couldn't see anything. They weren't allowed in a grandstand. And a lot of the places around the track had um, advertising hoardings that net stuff up. And as the race started, people were cutting through it so they could pull it back and see the cars through it. Um, So I think they've learned some lessons from that kind of thing, but I wouldn't pretend to be an expert on every circuit. But I I see what you're saying. I mean, I I think watching anything on telly and there's not a big crowd always... I look and I think, you know, even the football, you, you know, yeah. some of the earlier matches in Qatar, I was like, wow, that stadium's half empty, you know. Yeah. Um, I like to see places fill up. I like to see fans. I like to hear crowds. I like to see atmosphere. And that's the thing. I, I like to see that as well. I mean, that, that would make me want to go to an actual event and yeah. sample the atmosphere. Um, however, just to kind of, Singapore isn't all seats. There are a lot of bleachers around as well, which yeah. wouldn't take much to put together. So you could do that for general admission and stuff like that. Um, you know, there's obviously you're saying it's it's a street city based thing, yeah. um, but ultimately, as somebody who doesn't live in the city or live near the city or has really easy access to the city, it's harder for me to get to London than it is to go to Silverstone or Alton Park. Or even Brands Hatch, right? 
You're assuming you mean by driving. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Because if you drove down to London, you'd you'd still uh, need a hotel for the night. Why can't you get the train? You know, there are excellent train links. There is, but the cost of a train is astronomical. Not if you buy it in advance, sweet pea. And this is for July. So if you booked it now, you'd get a ticket a lot cheaper. There is that. There is that. But there is that. No, Come on. You, Come on. You've got your preference is to drive. I understand. Yeah, but you know, drive there and back in a day, you could do it. Now, you know, in some in some cases, you could say, well, actually, it's cheaper to go somewhere else to watch it. So, um, yeah, I think that there are ways and means, and I think certainly from the kind of point of view of a of a fan that doesn't live in the city there are the additional costs of travel and hotels and stuff like that which add to it but then again you would have the same if you were going to an f1 race that was in the city yeah. or, um you know and, so, and they they bumped the prices for f1 as you know yeah. if you got if you got in early on hotels on this as i'm sure fern who will be listening to this podcast will tell you she got some good rates by booking really early the moment the dates were announced so that used to be the way we worked for F1 as well. You know, we'd see the dates for testing and we'd book up straight away, wouldn't we? So yeah, there's there's elements of that organisation and booking early for anything, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, ways and means. But I'm coming as a casual fan here. It's, it's, it's nothing to do with the fact that London doesn't have enough gravy for you then, Andy. I can always bring my own gravy. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> so... Okay. I guess I guess my next question is when's yeah. the next race? So the next race is in two weeks in Saudi. And is um, it at the same track that we would race F one there or is it a different thing? No, I think it's a slightly it's 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 in I can't even pronounce it. Is it Dirigir or something like that? I I've seen it written down. I'm not very good at that. Right. <laughs> I would say things that you should be focusing on this season are less less moaning about this track and more Oh, Ian James is our team principal. He was with Mercedes in their two world championship Formula E years. He used to work for McLaren. He's one of us. And I listened to some very interesting interviews with him earlier where he was talking about being back on the boulevard at MTC and what it felt like. So number one, Ian James is a man like us. Number two, team manager, Gary Paffitt. Hands, as they used to call him, big hands. Gary Paffitt. He's McLaren of old. We love all of this. You know, he's practically papaya. And and I think, you know, talking about the first race and the first, the result of this weekend, you know, I think Jake Hughes and Rene Rast are an incredible lineup. I think Jake, as a rookie, a British driver who's driven in F2 and F3, um, I think as a previous reserve driver for Mercedes, he, he still hadn't raced, though. He came in and he went full beans. And I think he gave it his best. Um, I know I've read that there was some confusion over the yellow flag sort of situation where he then got overtook and lost the pace. But I think he's going to be bloody brilliant for us. Um, I think Rene Rast is is a proven world champion in DTM. He's got he's got the tin top experience. He's driven in Formula E in previous seasons, so he's got the Formula E experience. So you know, I think I think he'll be up there as well. They've just got to get used to this this Gen Three car. Yeah. But yeah, Jake's exciting. Jake's like the yeah. Lando of Formula E. Yeah. Do you think though that yeah. maybe maybe should have put a name in the car? 
for the first season? No. No, I don't think so. I think I think Jake coming as the reserve driver was known by the team and I think that team unit has pretty much stayed intact right. from, from the Mercedes team. So I think he's a good fit and they know he gives good feedback. Um, I think Rene was your name that they've brought in because he's got so much experience and probably Zach knows him and he's had a coffee with him a few times and all of that kind of thing. So I was quite surprised he didn't do better, but I, I don't think that that means he won't over the season. But yeah, Jake, Jake to me is me like thinking about what Lando was like when he started in F1 and what, how we felt about him. That's how I felt about watching Jake race. So, um, so yeah, and I watched, I, I, sorry, I watched, I read a really interesting interview in the Independent, which I did retweet, guys, if you have a look at my Twitter, with Jake Hughes talking about being 28 now, how he's positioned himself knowing that this was his opportunity and he's put all his eggs in one basket. But earlier in his career, he was quite late. I think he only started karting at 16. Now, you know, normally they they start as kids, don't they? So, you know, I think he's he's worth putting our papaya cheers behind, that's for sure. Rene as well, but um, but yeah, so, so yeah, Gary Paffett in there as well. I mean, this has got to be good. This is a draw. Come on, Andy. Surely this is making you feel all, all papaya all over, isn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously, you know, some good points there. I, I do agree with the Jake uh, Hughes sort of stuff. I think he was quite exciting to watch mm-hmm. um, uh, in the race as well as the qualifying. And I think that maybe, you know, of, of the season, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be quite interesting. I think if we put together a, a kind of a good challenge for the title, yeah. um, then I think they'll maybe draw in some fans there to kind of watch along with that. Like um, you, maybe, yeah. Like maybe. you. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the the last two times that I've watched Formula E, I've kind of definitely stepped away from it and gone, not for me, not for me. Um, but this time I'm kind of maybe sort of in the middle thinking, oh, well, maybe give it a go, watch a few more. So, I was gonna ask you, are you Formula Ecstatic or Formula Ooh? Which one are you? Well, I'm kind of formula in the middle, I guess. <laughs> this um, is going to be my name for the podcast, Formula Ecstatic or Formula E. <laughs> um, I think I think it's a good debate to have, and I don't think you're the only one that yeah, I'm sure feels that way. Other kind of McLaren fans out there kind yeah. of think, oh, okay, hang on, let's have a watch of this. I, I mean, it's never going to be the top draw thing over the F1, but you know, like in the last few years where I've watched a few more indie cars and dipped into that and followed sort of McLaren uh, ROSP teams in that. And I think the only one that I've that I watched one of and went, nah, was definitely the uh, Extreme E. And I like the drivers and I like the idea of it. Yeah. It just doesn't grab me. Yeah, um, see, I like I like following Emma and and Tanner, and and I think they they're doing a great job. But I will admit, when I've watched some of them, I've not found the coverage that exciting. And yeah, you know, I, I mean, and, and weirdly, I got really excited when one of them rolled over in the in the sand, yeah. and I'm thinking, I'm not supposed to get excited about people, you know, possibly being injured. So um, yeah, yeah it's, it's it takes a bit of getting used to, and I've never I've never really got used to esports. I love watching the IndyCar. I'm always slightly frustrated by the coverage that we have a different person jump in to talk in the adverts. Oh, um, all right. I quite like that bit. It's quite funny. Yeah. 
<laughs> it just I, seems so disjointed. But I like the fact that you can send them like tweets and they'll read them out as you go on along because they've got so much adverts from America. Yeah, yeah, no, that's true. And I've done that when I've been watching Le Mans before. I've tweeted yeah. in and stuff. So okay, so, quickly, quickly then before we finish up, we've got our five McLaren things. So F one is top for you. Yeah. Indy cars number two. I think yes, definitely. So between Extreme E, eSports, and now Formula E, what order would you put the last three in? Am I allowed to put Le Mans in there as well? We're not in Le Mans. Yet. Yet. I'm talking about reality. Oh. <laughs> um, I'd probably then watch Formula E. Yeah, number three, Formula E, right. And then the other two I'm not that fussed about. Okay, okay, that's, that's that's interesting. I'd be interested to hear people that are listening, if anyone listens. Hello. Yeah. It's nice to talk to you. Um, let us know what you think. Drop us a tweet, because really, Andy and I are just, just trying to put, put it out there and debate it and polarise opinion about do we like it, do we not, and what we like and what the pros and cons are. But we'd love to hear what you think too. Yeah, absolutely. Um and uh, on that, we'll we'll be back during the F1 season in testing, uh, probably with a full lineup on the podcast uh, to talk about McLaren's F1 um, hopes for the season and uh, hopefully new liveries, new kit, yeah, other bits and pieces. So that will be soon, uh, probably mid February. So look out for that. But uh, in the meantime, drop us a tweet. Let us know what you think of. Formula E, whether you're watching it and whether it's, what was it, Formula Ecstatic? Formula Ecstatic or Formula E. Right, and on that note, we'll say goodbye until next time. Bye-bye.